Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, we are live. One second here. Super excited to be doing this. And we're good. All right, so... Uh, we are live in Tom the Trainer's tribe for my weekly Wednesday Q&As where I just allow the members of my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe, to uh, ask questions. And I go in and I give my honest opinion and feedback, ways to help the people within the tribe uh, and just provide them with as many resources or my opinions as possible to help with their fitness goals. So if you're watching this in Tom, the trainer's tribe, uh, or anywhere else for that matter, do me a favor, comment live. Let me know that you're here. And if you're catching it afterwards, comment replay. So live in the tribe on Wednesdays is, as I mentioned, a free Q and a, and then what I do is, is I take those Q and a's and I upload them to my Tom, the trainer fitness podcast so that you can listen to them at your convenience if you aren't able to catch the actual live recordings. So the link to join to subscribe, pardon me, to the podcast is in the description. And obviously, if you're listening to this on the podcast, check the link in the description of the episode to join Tom the Trainer's Tribe. So we're going to get right into it. want to make sure that some people are here first and foremost. And we are going to start taking questions. always takes a minute for me to find the post because Tom, the trainer's tribe is bumping and there's always lots of uh, posts in there to find, find the questions. Uh, So if you are waiting for me to find the post, just, do me a favor. You can ask a question in the live training here and I'll answer those questions for people as well at the end. If I have time to get to them, Holy, the tribe is pumping. So, um, having a hard time finding the post. Well, All right, let's do this. We got it. Okay. All right, everybody's stoked to be here. Everybody feels though they're going to get some value. Only got one per- person watching right now. What's up, everybody? Okay. Ask questions in the live feeds on my Instagram, Facebook profile in Tom, the trainer's tribe, and I'll answer those questions as well. I'll try to circle back to them if I have time. So first question here is from Jared and it's in regards to adding creatine into your daily supplements. And, um, 
this is a great question. So I think everybody knows if you're in the tribe and if you've been watching these lives for long, that I am somebody who really prioritizes like whole foods and diet to get what you need out of your nutrition to get to your goals. And I feel as though the supplements are like, yeah, like supplements can have an impact, but the impact that they will have is like, um, minimal at best and like totally negligible if like you're negligent with your nutrition right but uh jared's a client jared's absolutely been crushing it he's got his nutrition he's got his training his water is everything literally dialed going to be doing a transformation post for jared soon as soon as i have time to uh put it all together because he absolutely crushed it and lost 20 pounds in 12 weeks so he's got all that stuff locked in so for somebody like jared who's already got good nutrition and good other habits i don't see any reason why not to add creatine into your daily supplements it's highly researched it has positive effects uh it also helps with like uh water retention and water is extremely important in our body for many many reasons right um when it comes to creatine like I personally don't worry about loading it and trying to like take large amounts of creatine in the beginning stages of starting to take it. I don't think it's necessary to load it. I think like you will get that like saturation per se upon just taking it regularly and taking five grams per day. So taking five grams per day is more than enough. And also like, don't worry about, it if you miss a day like if you miss a day here and there like it's not a big deal i remember a time like back in the day when i was like young i'll just say i was like young and dumb because like let's be honest like you know we didn't know anything when we were young right like probably before we were 20 like i think we knew like how to walk to school and like probably use the bathroom and like beyond that like our life experience was pretty minimal So with that, like my experience with this stuff was pretty minimal at best. And when I was at that age, I was like trying to figure things out. And like, I remember like thinking like all my gains were going to disappear. It's like, oh my God, I missed my serving of creatine today. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's not a big deal if you miss a serving. Uh, Just take it the next day kind of thing, right? But I think it's uh, definitely a beneficial supplement to take when you have all those other things dialed in and on point and I don't see any reason why not to I just feel as though that like creatine and other supplements like many supplements in general just seem to be placed like the priority placement of them seems to be confused because you know if your diet sucks and you're 25% body fat as a man and you're not sleeping well and your training's not consistent, then like creatine's not going to get you jacked. Like don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Place your efforts towards things that are going to provide you with a bigger impact. But if you're placing your efforts towards those things that provide the best impact, then yeah, go ahead. Add creatine. Having said that, it's extremely affordable and like it can't hurt, I guess I would say, but just make sure that you're placing it in the right list of priorities. 
that and any supplement. Um, and if anybody wants to, I'm thinking about doing a podcast episode about like the only supplements that you should ever use and focus on. Creatine is going to be one of them. If anybody watch it, watching part of me wants to, um, wants to listen to an episode on that topic, just say supplement podcast in the chat. Okay. <clears throat> so next up. Damon is asking, what's a good lower abdominal and oblique workout that isn't hard on your lower back? <clears throat> so I've, I've talked about this like multiple, multiple times. Damon's new to the tribe. I've talked about this multiple times and like when training your core and listen to other episodes of the podcast, Damon, like shameless plug here. And anybody listening to this now, like go check Tom, the trainers, Tom, the trainer fitness on Spotify or Apple or any of your podcast providers and uh, start binging out on them. I'm pretty sure that in the description of one of the episodes, I talk about this. <clears throat> so I won't go into it into like crazy, crazy detail just because I've done so on multiple other episodes and multiple other lives. But to simplify it is like, we're look at exercises where your spine isn't, loaded through flexion or extension and flexion is when your shoulders are flexing towards or like coming towards your hips say like in a crunch uh, and extension is when your spine is bending in the opposite direction so um, side planks for obliques are going to be amazing as well as Copenhagen planks are going to be amazing for your for your obliques also though like you can train your obliques by executing exercises properly that create a high demand on core stability so like for example when you're doing a lunge the stability in a lunge comes from your obliques so it's important to try to say for example if you have a lunge you're doing a lunge and you have like one dumbbell in your hand and that dumbbell is on the same side as the leg of which you're stepping back with then like just slightly kind of try to like reach downward with that dumbbell a little bit to flex your obliques in the lunge you'll you'll do better lunges you'll lift more weight on lunges you'll have a higher return on the impacts of which the lunges are going to have on your legs probably going to have less knee pain and you're going to train your obliques at the same time so I categorize exercises by looking at where the core stability comes from and a lunge or variations of a lunge, like say a Bulgarian split squat are phenomenal for your obliques. And then when it comes to lower abdominals, I'm a really, really big fan of hanging leg raises and you can do that with a bent knee or straight legs. And the focus on that is when you're hanging, you are trying to like draw your belly button into your spine as hard as you can. And you could even like hold at the top and stuff. That's an advanced tactic. And then like another cool exercise that I like to do for lower abdominals is going in like a glute ham raise machine, which is a machine in the gym that you lock your legs into. And then there's a pad if you were lying out with your legs locked in and your feet locked in and the, like the, in the foot 
uh, holders. There's a pad in and around your hip area, depending on how you set the machine up. And you could do like crunches off of that. And same thing, like drawing your belly button into your, into your spine extremely hard while doing so. It's, it's a badass exercise, but it's really good. And the thing I like about that exercise as well is it'll stretch out your hip flexors at the same time, make your hip flexors stronger in length. And we all have tight hip flexors. Most of us anyways, 99.5% of us probably. Um, so if you can train your lower abdominals while strengthening your hip flexors in length, your hip flexors will not be short and tight as often because the reason your hip flexors are short and tight is because your central nervous system is like two things. Your central nervous system is not feeling as though that it needs that length in the tissue to be able to maneuver through the daily um, like activities or like the daily demands that are being created on those tissues. So it, your body tries to be efficient and if it doesn't have to use them in length, it just will stop using them in length. But then also if they're weak in length, your central nervous system will block that position through artificial, I don't want to say artificial uh, tension because obviously the tension is real, but it'll create tension in those muscles because it, it views the weakness in length as like vulnerability. So it tries to avoid that as like, you know, a survival mechanism as a mechanism to avoid injury, etc. But then generally what that does in turn is increase the risks of low back injury, right? Was that helpful, everybody? I know it wasn't absolutely direct, but obviously you can listen to other episodes of the podcast for that. And then there was definitely some some tips in there that will work as well. Okay, so the next question here is from Dylan. Dylan wants to know some tips for getting started into a health health into health and fitness, working towards some fitness goals after being away from it for a while, right? I actually love this question because I believe a big reason why people fail when they are trying to like re-implement like behaviors that they were doing in the past that they failed to stay consistent on is to probably, and I'm literally just finished writing the podcast for this. So it's going to be up as well. It's going to be up on Monday, the February 5th is about like recognizing what caused for you to fail the last time you did it, the last time that you were executing those behaviors and then start recognizing the things that caused for you to fail and like putting a plan in place or recognizing the things that you can do differently to avoid that failure from occurring again. Because like there's, there's that popular saying of like success leaves clues. Absolutely. It does successful habits and behaviors and the things that people like successful people are doing, there's clues in what they're doing to be successful, but like failure leaves even bigger clues. Failure leaves 
even probably like more powerful clues for you as an individual, because you're not trying to lean on habits and behaviors of others, which do have value, but you're more hyper-focusing on the habits and behaviors that you were doing in the past that were succeeding and then trying to recognize the failure and the um, mechanism of failure and then recognizing that and making sure that if that thing ever happens again, you avoid it because you've got a solid plan in place because you took into consideration that thing that's likely going to happen again. And you've recognized the one way to avoid that from setting you back. Right. So that's huge. And there's a whole podcast episode coming up on that. It's called, um, I'm not hundred percent sure what the actual title of it will be right now, but basically the purpose of the podcast is all about like changing behaviors, right? Uh, changing behaviors and sticking to them that last. So that's key. And then also I think as well, like, you know, it's important to not try to take on too much all at once. And I believe it's important to stack wins and stack little wins and then look at like that popular saying of like consistency compounds, right? So start finding like little wins that you can stack. Okay. Maybe that's like going to the gym three days per week and you're able to do that and you start stacking that win. And then after that, you can start, you know, compounding habits and being like, okay, cool. I was able to go to the gym for three days last week and I've been doing that really well. Awesome. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to hone in on my diet. And when I hone in on my diet, I'm going to do that consistently for a period of time. Okay, great. I've nailed those things down. What's the next habit that I can focus on that's going to yield me an impact on my success? Okay, great. Um, I'm going to start focusing on my sleep, whatever it may be, right? Stack little wins because like your subconscious when you're stacking wins tells you that you're a winner and gives you confidence in doing more things, gives you confidence that you're going to be successful when you try to do things because you didn't place yourself in a position of overwhelm of trying to do more than you can manage in the beginning. Because then when you fail, all you're doing is you're telling yourself subconsciously that you're not a winner, that you're a failure and you can't, right? But you start stacking wins. You start mentally telling yourself, I can. And I think that's huge. I think it's absolutely huge, right? Um, stack little wins, right? Um, and then, I mean, obviously, like, the other thing as well, Dylan, is like, hire a coach, right? Like, make a decision to hire somebody who knows to literally, who knows how to put a plan in place for you that can be easily executed, right? And it's sustainable and it works and it simplifies things. And that's how you fast track results, okay? Fast track results, hire an expert, hire somebody who knows more than you do and ask them what to do and then listen to them and do it, right? And I think like if anybody's listened to my high performance habits, that'll change your life. And my story, episode number one of the podcast knows that I'm absolutely huge on that. Absolutely huge on that. I didn't know how to start a podcast. I hired a podcast coach. He knows how to start a podcast. 
I would have never started the podcast because I literally would have been overwhelmed because I would have had no idea where to start, right? So that's huge. Hire help, right? Hiring help is going to give you the fastest results and the most likelihood of success, okay? Uh, if you're watching this on Instagram, I'm just going to check and see if there's any comments on there. And I'm going to peace out. If you haven't checked out Tom the Trainer's Tribe in the uh, bio, check the link and join. And I'm going to peace out there. Um, going to do the same thing on YouTube, everybody. And now it's just on my personal Facebook page and the tribe. Now, let's get into the next question here. Next question, I wanted to save this one a little bit because it's uh, an in-depth question. Mike is asking about, he's got a contest coming up in May. Looks like he's going to do a physique contest. It's currently 8 to 10 pounds over where he needs to be. Trying to cut a little and maintain and build muscle lately. My calories have been three to 500 below maintenance, but keeping my protein a little above one gram per pound of body weight. <clears throat> Macros break out to be around 35% carbs, 30 to 35% fats, focusing on good healthy fats and clean carbs. And protein is about 30%, 169 pounds. 18 to 19% body fat and I have abs below the surface. So it sounds like um, the major problem area for Mike is his, like he's lean upper body and arms and legs. Um, but just his stomach is probably like his biggest concern. So uh, I like the way that you structured your diet, Mike. I'm a, big fan and a pretty balanced diet approach um keeping proteins and carbs around 35 percent ish and then fats in and around 30 percent ish as well uh so i like what you've done with your diet and setting up a balanced approach because i don't believe in like well i, I don't believe in going low fat because the hormonal stuff that there's effects with that um and i don't believe in going low carb because like I don't know. Can everybody agree that like carbs are delicious and they're awesome? Just say carbs are awesome in the chat. <laughs> so, and I believe you need your energy through carbohydrates for good workouts, right? Now, the most important thing hands down is having a diet that you can sustainably stick to that's going to keep you in a calorie deficit, but I don't see any reason why you need to cut out any food sources in order to do that. It just doesn't, I don't, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So um, you're doing a good job with your macros and protein. Now, I don't necessarily know what your exact calories are at because you've mentioned that you want them to be, that you have them about 300 to 500 below your maintenance. Now, you know, how are we establishing that number? Are we establishing that number through like a Fitbit tracker or something because they can have like discrepancies in the value of the information that they give you in a sense of like, I find that those trackers seem to like highly overestimate the amount of calories we like burn in a day. 
especially if you use them to like track your workouts and it tells you how many calories you burnt in a workout. So it's hard to know where you're drawing that number of three to 500 calories below your maintenance. And I don't know what your, I don't know what your overall calories are. So with the luxury lifestyle allowance, I like to set people, I would probably set you up based on where you're at in and around 1700 calories, which might seem a little bit low, but I introduce weekly refeed days as well. So like the overall calorie equation over the course of a week balances out and then you send a signal to the body once per week with a high caloric intake day to avoid your metabolism from slowing down as well as like reward yourself mentally because willpower is not an endless resource and still be able to partake in social events especially on weekends so i i would probably set calories in and around 1700 um ish and then obviously it depends on how many days per week you're training and all those kinds of things. And then what you got to do is, is you got to wherever you're at and whatever your approach is, you got to look at the data and you got to say like, okay, what's happening with what I'm doing. And if I need to lose body fat, then I need to make a change somewhere if I'm holding weight. Okay. And so for me, I don't really ever generally look at like what my, calories below maintenance are when i look at things i personally just look at like what are your calories at okay what are your calories at what's your activity levels at one or both of those things needs to change for you to see a change right whether that means making taking out a small percentage of your calories like five to ten percent per se and increasing activity a little bit or just changing calories and not increasing activity or increasing activity and leaving calories the same. I personally like to leverage increasing activity before decreasing calories, but everybody's situation is individualized because obviously work environment, time restrictions, ability to increase movement and all those things, you, you know, those are dependent on the decision, right? But Basically, what you got to do is like, look at where you're at. I personally wouldn't worry about what your calories are below maintenance. I would worry about what are my calories at if I'm not making the progress that I need because I need to be eight to 10 pounds lighter right now, then I need to make a change to my activity levels and to my calories or one of them. And I need to make sure like, am I sleeping well, right? Am I, you know, resting well? How much am I training? Am I recovering from my workouts or am I training too intensely too much? Right. And all of those are factors that you're going to have to look at cards to play. Also, like when you say you're currently eight to 10 pounds over where you need to be, I guess for like interpretation is like, is that eight to 10 pounds over where you need to be right now in the stage of preparing to be ready in May? Or is that where you need to be in May? right? Because at the end of January here, we got February, March, April, May. You can definitely take a really slow and steady approach to get to where you need to be or start a little more slow and steady and then start ramping up closer to the date of the competition, right? So those are kind of some things to consider and things that like I would, I would look at, right? 
you know, maybe your calories are too high. Maybe your calories are too low even. Maybe you need to include your weekly refeed meal or a bi-weekly refeed meal to send a signal to your metabolism. Maybe you've been dieting for too long and you need to take a short little diet break. I don't need my clients to take those short little diet breaks because we do a diet break once per week and there's research in the power of doing diet breaks. Nobody's quite doing it like I've been doing it with the luxury lifestyle allowance since 2019, but there's a lot of research in the power of diet breaks and clearly doing a cyclical diet strategy where one day per week is a diet break works because we just hit over 307 transformations on team Tom, the trainer fitness. So those are some things to consider. It's really hard to give you an absolute answer, Mike, because anybody who's worked with me as a client, some people who are watching this right now realize that like, I would probably be asking like a bunch of, well, yeah, I, I want to say I would be asking a bunch of questions. I guess I, I, I wouldn't even necessarily if you were a client, because I would already have the answers to many of the questions I have based upon your question. So I hope that helps. Um, and we're going to move on to some questions in the chat. Will, my man is asking, uh, I have a stacked week with work. And as a result, I'm shuffling my gym, sh- gym sessions around, uh, for the bigger compound movements like deadlift and squat. How long should I leave between sessions this week? I'm deadlifting Friday and Sunday. Is that too close? And will it be detrimental? Um, It's dependent on the load that you're training with. I can't recall what rep range you're in right now, bro. Um, But I would say like usually like three days between. uh, Depending on how much you're lifting. So Will's Will's a a client. um, He's in a hypertrophy program. So his rep range isn't excessively heavy. So the central nervous system fatigue from deadlifting isn't going to be the same as it would be if say he was doing like sets of five and, or, or things like that. Um, and then also Will's running a world-class program where overall, um, overall central nervous system fatigue is thought about in every decision that's made in the program. Um, but having said that, the, the, the best way to know for sure is I like, I don't personally see an issue with that. Cause I know what rep range you're in and I know that it's three days between. Right. And I know that you're going to have extra rest leading into that. I don't know what your rest day is. Like, I don't know if you got a rest day on Saturday because that would obviously make it like, uh, I'm going to doubt that you have a rest day on Saturday thinking about knowing how your program's written, but like, those are all factors to consider. If we were looking at this as like somebody who's not a client, and I'm not saying like, yeah, that should be fine, bro. Cause I know all the details of things is like the only way to know for sure would be like, try it, right? Try it. And then like, try it for a while. And then like, think about like, how am I recovering? Do I feel like garbage? Am I not sleeping? Well, am I getting weaker in my lifts? Deadlifting too hard too often is probably a massive indicator uh, towards that. Right. Um, 
But like I've got programs like the fast fat loss frequency method where you do a version of a deadlift every single day, right? So it's all based upon like the overall, the overall fatigue that comes from that lift. I don't see a problem with it. Well, but if this was, if you're somebody like who's not a client thinking like, oh, well, how should I, how would I know? He's like, I guess the only way to know would be to try it and go for it. And I think what's most important is getting all your workouts in and not skipping them. And then how do you feel after that? You're like, I felt horrible after that. I felt weak after that. The week after that, I wound up actually like going down in all my lifts. I wasn't nearly as strong. Well, then that would be an indicator that, yeah, your your overall systemic fatigue from what you've been doing in your programming combined with combined with like deadlifting that close to each other. And that's the only thing that changed. And all of a sudden you went from like things were cruising really, really well to like feeling like really worn out is a good indicator that like maybe that's too close, right? If you're feeling fine, you could probably continue to do it, but you need to listen to your body and you need to listen to those like fatigue indicators that I talked about as you're doing it. And when you start seeing signs that those fatigue indicators are increasing, then you know that like maybe it was fine for a week or two, but the compounding effect of doing that for a longer period of time than a week or two is starting to have a negative effect on my recovery. Okay. So you got to kind of like play it by ear that way. Um, it's really just about listening to your body. Okay. Uh, was that helpful, everybody? Will, I hope that was helpful, bro. Will's like contributing to the to the lives because you can just message me and ask me this just like straight up in the app. So I appreciate I appreciate that, Will. I appreciate you contributing to the lives, brother. Um, And then somebody's asking, like, is there any exercises I should avoid doing? Um, That's a really hard, hard one to answer as well. Right. So, like, I don't know your injury history. I don't know. I don't know your form. I don't know your core strength. I don't know your mobility like how well your joints move. Those are all things that I don't necessarily know. So off of the top of my head, it's hard to give an answer on that. But like, I will say like, those are some things to consider. So for example, if you have a really weak core and every single time that you go to deadlift, you can't help, but your, um, you can't help, but like have your spine round. Like you can't manage your spine in a deadlift. It Like don't keep deadlifting with a rounded back, right? Like massive pet peeve. When I used to work at Good Life Fitness, there'd be like, there was a trainer in there that would put people through exercises that they lit exercises and loads on those exercises that people had no business doing. And then it was like, yeah your clients get hurt all the time. I mean, I never said this to the guy, but it's like, yeah, your clients get hurt all the time because like you're doing stuff with them that they shouldn't be doing. They're not ready for it. So for example, I love the deadlift. I'd have clients. Sometimes I try to get them to do a deadlift, no matter what weight I put on the bar for a deadlift, the guy would round his back. 
well, we're taking deadlift out of the equation for a little bit and we're doing low back extensions and we're doing lots of planks and we're doing lots of core work to bulletproof your spine. Okay. Now your spine's your, your core is bulletproof. Now you can organize your spine. Now let's try deadlifting. Okay. So that's like a consideration on things, right? Um, say for example, as well as like, maybe you got a knee injury and when you go down to the bottom of a squat, your knee doesn't feel good in the bottom of a squat. Okay. Well then maybe for now doing a full range of motion squat is an exercise that you should avoid doing because it's, it's creating like damage to your knee joint. So maybe you should do a box squat where you sit down on a box and you stay tight and you don't get into the range of motion where there is that excessive force on the knee, right? Maybe you shouldn't do a full range of squat. Or maybe it's okay for you to do a full range squat, but maybe you need to get some lifting wedges so that your heel, heels are elevated so that you don't place such a crazy demand on your hips and your ankles that your knee gets caught in the middle because you don't have the mobility in your hips and your ankles. So you biased that by elevating your heel, allowing for you to get down to the bottom of a squat without putting unnecessary stress on your knees. Then you got to work on your ankle and your hip mobility. And then hopefully work towards slowly over time, removing the wedges, right? If possible, some people just should squat with wedges. Maybe they've got um, like a femoral impingement. There's conditions where have like, where people have like, I think it's called acetabular femoral impingement syndrome. Like they should probably never do full depth squats without some kind of band-aid solution to, to like surpass the hip mobility that's required to get down to the bottom of a squat. Okay. Um, so those are some things to consider. I guess like the other thing that I would say is like a pretty blanket statement that I'll never do or ask any of my clients to ever do and never, ever did and never, ever will is ab crunches. Never sit-ups. Never. No. So those are some blank statement answers. And then obviously like factors to consider when making the decision yourself as to like, is this the right exercise for me right in the same in in under like the same um uh, i've had uh, a long day so my brain i talked about it in one of the podcasts with like i've had a brain injury i almost died i was airlifted to kingston general hospital when i'm tired i can have a hard time like kind of finding words but like in a similar belief i guess i would say is that like um there's also like no like must do exercises either you know what i mean there's like highly beneficial exercises that yield a much higher impact on your results than others but there's no must do exercises for example i love squatting like a badass i used to squat four plates 400 pounds i used to squat 315 pounds for reps i used to deadlift 460 um I used to be able to deadlift 405 for a triple deadlift 300 plus pounds for like multiple reps in a hypertrophy rep range. I've got an issue with a nerve in my neck and spinal compression in my neck, in my 
cervical vertebrae makes it just not cool. And then also what it does is it compresses on the nerve. And then when that nerve is compressed, it sends um, like it, it, like that nerve starts to tingle and shut off other muscles and create muscles to atrophy in my body. So like for me, I love doing those exercises, but I shouldn't do them anymore. They're just not a smart exercise for me. So I just don't put a bar on my back. I do deadlift. I do it light. Um, so things to think about. Uh, Will says he's got, got me on while he's doing meal prep. Yeah, brother. Will's been crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. Will and I have worked together for quite a period of time and uh long period of time. And he just like literally just stacks like win after win after win, week after week after week. And we cater everything specifically to exactly what he wants to see happen. Cause that's what like, that's what it's all about. That's what the coach client relationship is all about is like, what do you want to see happen? How fast do you want to see it happen? Great. This is the approach that we're going to take. Uh, so he's been crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. Uh, and another question from Will thinking it'll probably be last question is, do you see benefits? Uh, in, in lifting shoes, like lifting shoes. Uh, awesome timing, man. Cause I literally just covered that. Right. Um, I usually just wear flat soles, but so many guys I know are obsessed with them. Yeah. So like, it's just dependent on your, your ability. Like I think personally in a perfect world, functionally, I like to like see, um, more flat based shoes, definitely for deadlifts, absolutely for deadlifts, flat soles, and even barefoot best to be honest, or like in socks for deadlifts. Uh, but I do see benefits to lifting shoes. I got an old pair that are sitting here next to me. Um, I haven't worn them in forever just because like, I don't squat heavy anymore, but like when I used to squat heavy, they were like a cheat code that would allow for me to squat a little bit heavier because back then was still when I was like, uh, I just didn't have the mobility in my hips and my ankles that I have now. So I could squat without them, but I could squat more with them. So I use them. I saw them as a net positive because I was able to overload the muscles more by using the shoes rather than not. But I would personally never use, I would personally never use a flat shoe. <laughs> I shake in my head. I would personally never use a flat shoe, uh, a part of me, a heel elevated shoe for deadlifting unless it was lighter loads. And my main focus was to increase the distance that I need to travel with the bar to place a higher demand on my hamstrings in like a stiff leg deadlift or something like that. That's my opinion on them. And then I'm just going to double check and see if there's any more comments. I think we are all good. And that's it. All right, everybody. So I hope that you absolutely enjoyed this. Uh, I love doing them. I love answering the questions. I love giving back to you, the community. If you're not in Tom, the trainer's tribe, make sure you join Tom, the trainer's tribe. The link is in the description. If you're not listening to the podcast yet, we post the replays every single week of these are usually a couple of weeks behind, but you can listen to them while you're driving, listening to them while you're doing cardio. And then I post like topics um, pretty much on a weekly basis where I dig into some things that I think are going to be helpful. So the podcast is extremely helpful and useful. If you're not subscribed to it, check it out. Tom, the trainer fitness on your podcast providers. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you're new, join Tom, the trainer's tribe. I'll totally answer your questions for you as well. Uh, and that is it. So if everybody saw value from this, please comment value in the chat. And if you want some one-on-one -on -one personal help, 
where we can literally like hone in and become way more specific with the answers to your questions and put like a done for you program in place so you can crush it, take all the guesswork out of it. Let me do the guesswork, but educated guesswork because I know all the variables in place. Just hit me up with a message that says coaching on my Facebook at Tom Trainer or my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness. And other than that, I hope you all literally have the best day ever. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness.